Kia Koto. Just before we start the 14th episode of this podcast, I'd like to give you a little bit of a content warning in case you didn't read the label. Before you downloaded and press play, do um, start off with a fairly strong swear word and um, we do then talk about some unsavoury habits of Darren's. But hopefully that won't spoil your enjoyment of the show and um, I can assure you that that kind of crude behaviour and language doesn't last long. So please bear with us. Thanks. Welcome to the Podcrastinators, bringing you a mixture of comedy, social and political commentary from New Zealand and around the globe. In other words, the show that's meant to make sense of everything, but quite often doesn't. Hello, I'm Darren Lees, a globally experienced businessman, politically to the right, stand-up comedian, comedy writer, and of course, podcast presenter. And I'm Matt Danaher. I'm an amateur writer, traveler, podcaster, and Instagram influencer and professional union organiser and socialist who likes to be optimistic about a future. Fuck, Darren, did you mean that? That's outrageous. Oh, come on. You're you're like, you don't think that's real? (laughs) Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Podcrastinators episode 14. Matthew Tenekato. Yes, happy uh, Torio Mari week. (laughs) Hey, you just didn't have a clue that I was going to come out with that, right? You no, know, it took me by surprise. I'm not used that's to that. A national party dude. He doesn't know anything about culture. Kiora <laughs> <laughs> uh, Koto, listeners, um, welcome to. Uh, I've been nervous. I've been put off using those greetings ever since I got laughed laughed at when I used that as my opening line in seriousness at, at the um, classic comedy club. It's made me nervous to. Um, to speak the language, you know, to try my hand at the language and try and show a bit of respect, to be honest. So, I think um, the part that everybody laughed at was the fact that there's this kind of, you're not middle-aged, but you're kind of like, well, you look middle-aged. And there's this, one, <laughs> this white guy on the stage, like, reeled out about three sentences of Mary. And I think people just thought, fuck, is this part of his act or what? <laughs> I was there that night. It was pure gold because you were on the stage and you were just like, what the fuck are people laughing at? <laughs> I know. No, to be honest, I'll take any laughs I can. They're, they're, thin, they're thin on the ground, so uh, I was quite happy with that reaction. Um, to be anyway, fair, it's the only um, you got. <laughs> fuck, 14 episodes. Two guys with ADHD have managed to stick at a project for 14 episodes. A project which actually does take a bit of work in terms of finding guests, promoting, uh, doing the editing, getting it out there, using the Facebook page. We're actually still doing it. I know, and and remarkably, so are other people engaging with us as well. Like now, approaching like over well over three hundred people following and engaging and stuff like that. And but I do mm-hmm. think that we do forget some weeks, and then we remember that we were on a podcast. It, I don't know whether we've got ADHD or Alzheimer's. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, or maybe maybe they're comorbidities. Um, but. I have been trying to work out whether the amount we're spending on likes is directly proportionate to the amount Judith Collins is spending on likes with her Facebook page. Because <laughs> she's obviously got 54,000 likes. Um, she's paid about $30,000 for them. Um, are we going to have to invest a similar sum? I think there's a possibility that we might have to because I think I've probably invested $500 for 300 likes. I reckon, I reckon I should have a look and see whether my investment or our investment Please is better I'm than cut, I'm gonna, That's embarrassing, mate. I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs> that is a revelation. I had no idea. 
Oh, I think it's up there somewhere along that line. It's just thirty dollars here and forty dollars there. I reckon we should keep that in. I don't think your we should. Wife, be your wife has got to take your credit card off you. Oh well, if it's not being spent on Facebook likes, it's being spent on single malt whiskey. So, or donations to the Act Party, or donations to the National Party, or donations. I made. To- uh, you'll be pleased to know I made a seventy-seven dollar donation to Labour yesterday when I pre-ordered a um, hoodie, brand new. Des- stylish Labour Party hoodie. Wow, I Quite thought you would have all, I thought you'd have got a Labour Party mug over there again. You could have picked any of the front bench, I guess. Hey. Um old ones are the best. I always remember <laughs> when the, the British Labour Party um brought out their mugs um under Ed Miliband's leadership, they brought out their mugs with the different slogans on and one of them was strong immigration controls now. And I um I uh, bought one of those for my boss at the time, who was an ardent migrant rights campaigner and a Labour Party supporter. And uh, I just left it on his desk and um, it got flung across the office. (laughs) Oh, you're obviously a great gift purchaser. Your partners must be really pleased when it's time for you to buy a gift. Yes. Well, the book, I this is great audio. The book I then got the same boss for uh, Christmas uh, uh, Secret Santa thing was... um, Images not to masturbate to. <laughs> and it was, a photo, it was a photo book <clears throat> and it had lots of pictures of things like toilets, um, vegetables and other things that you really wouldn't want to masturbate to. Um, a naked yeah. Russian taking a pic to a frozen lake. Wow, that is like fantastic audio. Things not to masturbate to is a Lego sex dungeon. <laughs> That's right. Well, we'll provide some photos in the show notes for listeners' yes, benefit. Do you still have that book? No, well, no, I gave it to him. It was a present. That's, oh, you gave it to him. I oh, don't right. know if you understand the concept of presents, Darren, but... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd won it off him in the secret centre. No, I got it for him. Oh, was, sorry. Uh, I thought... Part of my thing of getting him gifts that would wind him up. Um, no, uh, mate, I support the National Party. We don't give anything to anybody. That's right, That's actually. You, fact, you take away our That's meal breaks. Taking away our meal breaks. What are you on about? You've taken away our freedom. You've taken away <laughs> our economy. We You've didn't taken things away. down fast enough last week. Oh, no. Hang on a minute, was it? Um, anyway, talking of images not to masturbate to, uh, I understand you've got a story about a photo of um, Judith Collins being tattooed onto somebody's thigh. Yeah, now this is an amazing story that someone would have a tattoo of Judith Collins with a gun, um, actually, with a gun, holding a gun, tattooed on their thigh. Now, that's a crazy enough story in itself, but the funny part is that they're actually thinking of having David Seymour tattooed on the other thigh. And then I Hang on a thought, minute, hang on a minute, is this you? Uh, well, I would actually have them tattooed on my backside. To be honest, and um, that Sorry. that would be that would be that's that's an image to masturbate to, and um, well, it depends who you're talking to. Well, true, I know you would, but that's different. And so I kind of like it. It does sound like a, a real dream combo for me to have both of those people tattooed on me. But then I actually, I actually then had this other vision because I obviously think too much about shit about when that person crossed their legs you would kind of have Judith on top of David or David on top of Judith. 
Um, oh, now, now that's too much of a window into your masturbation fantasies, actually. <laughs> that is very disturbing. So I kind of thought, yeah, that's going to be pretty weird if you're sat watching this person and you oh, kind of... Now I, can't, now, I can't, now I can't get that image out of my mind. Because they're pretty high up the leg, right? They are pretty high up the leg. I'm not quite sure who'd be in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a famous... I'm trying, to think of a fam I'm trying to think of a famous bearded politician. I was trying to think of a famous bald one. It could be Todd Muller. <laughs> Yeah, God, I'm editing this bit out. Yeah, this part's quality. What are you doing? You just like, I need what to are you trying to do? You're trying to like have a Jacinda type control on our um, on our content. This I've got a reputation. Unlike you, I've got a reputation to consider. You don't have a reputation. We know what your reputation is. <laughs> I don't think yeah. this is gonna this is gonna tarnish it any more than what it does. Actually, that Lego, Lego sex dungeon uh, photo has probably finished it off. So, uh, <laughs> and talking of finishing off, um, I don't know why I said that. I can't think of a, can't think of a follow through. So let's just pretend I did. Give me a minute, and I'll cut this bit out. And then when I thought of my follow through, we'll carry on. Um, talking of finishing off. <laughs> no, I finished off. That's it. I've just finished That's off. It. You, just, you can't oh, see what I was doing under the desk, and I finished off. But so, I did um, think that you broke into a sweat. So I was thinking there was something yes, going on. Yeah, that is. Um, so, uh, fuck, level 2.5. We're still at level 2.5 until um, we find out where we where next. When do we find out where next? Is it Monday? It is Monday next week. So yes. we are Thursday, the 17th of September. And I think we find out on Monday, the 21st. And there's a 48-hour calling off period once we find out. Yes. And um, I, does anyone else, listeners, write in with your answers, uh, respond on Facebook or send us an email or something? Does anyone else feel that this is the longest week ever? For me, this is the longest week ever, right? Because I'm just, I just want to be back to level one. Oh, mate. I just fucking well, had enough of level 2.5 or level two or anything. I'm just like, fuck it. Let's go for herd immunity. No, it's just let um, let COVID rip through the through society, destroy everything. I just don't care anymore. I've just I'm going to go on a fucking march with Jamie Lee and uh, Billy TK. Mate, are you are you your name like Donald Danaher or something like that? What has happened to you? Have you you're here today? I've, it's like, that's enough. Mate, I've had well, enough. Number one, number one, nice mask. I'm enjoying that. I like the mask. You're like this is the weird thing, right? Me and you are probably polar opposites when it comes to this shit, but. Mate, your your girl Jacinda is making up her own rules about like levels. Like my poster on my fridge has no two point five on it. So what the hell even is that? But you're right about this week. I have been devastated all week because I've been one day ahead of myself all the time. I woke up this morning convinced it was Friday. I'm devastated that I've realised I've still got to go to work tomorrow. And the problem with what you just said is that we're not even going to level one in Auckland next week. It's just not happening. No, um, no. So we've got to go through about a month of level two and she needs to sort this out before January because Elton John's due and I'm not fucking missing him for a second year running. He's so, not going to be here in January. Do you think he's, he's coming? Do you, Elton, think he's, do you think he's going to quarantine for two weeks? Elton won't need to. Like Elton's like, like God, he doesn't need to quarantine. And I'll tell you else, he doesn't need to quarantine. Your girl Jacinda 
and her photo today down in Palmerston North. Fake news. 50 people round her with no masks, with no social distancing. I will bet you $20 that photo is not fake news and it can go to a charity of your choice, which is Hang probably... On a minute. Which is probably the... It's me that started that challenge because I am fucking confident that that is fake news. Yeah, I'll give $20 to your charity if I'm wrong. All those people... $20 to charity all those, people, all those people are photoshopped. No way. No, I'm joking. No, obviously, it's um, it was taken. <laughs> it was taken before the crisis. Never. There's no question. No. I, as I, as someone who, in their day job, has to interact with these politicians sometimes, I can guarantee that no politician from either of the two main parties is going to be doing that. Because if you look underneath, if you look at Facebook comments underneath all their posts, as soon as there's anything that could be possibly interpreted as being a bit too close with, for physical distancing, there's a million comments underneath about how outrageous it is. So if that's not fake news, I will be, I will be happy to pay, donate $20 that I would have otherwise donated to the Labour Party. I will donate it to the charity of your choice. Yes. And the charity of my choice is the National Party. That's <laughs> not a charity. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's interesting. Um, what is interesting is obviously... Like you, I travel around the country for my job. And last week, I was in Southland. I fucking wow, used to. I don't anymore. Wow. Is there bad feeling in Southland about being in level two? Not only are they upset about TY Point, they are massively upset about being in level two. There's, there was not yeah, well, in Southland. Tough. Because um, while you're letting Aucklanders travel around the rest of the country, like super spreaders like you... Um, it's best to be on the safe side. Best I am super spreading the love. I do not believe Jacinda's 25% chance of spreading it into Southland. I don't believe it. That is fa as fake news as the photo. If the photo is fake, that is fake. It's just I don't news. believe the government would have um, chosen uh, levels. I don't think the, the government, right, especially in election time, is not going to want to do stuff like that, is to impose levels higher than they need to without very good cause. Well, not higher than they need to. It's not higher than they need to. They've done it for good reason. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it because it would make, it makes much more electoral sense to not impose higher levels. Mate, the Director General of Health and your girl, Jacinda, can't even agree on how this happened. Anyway, she's not... A, can we just get one thing clear here? She's not a girl. Oh... You misogynist. Oh, you're just, I'm just a misogynist. I'm such a pig. I said, your girl, Jacinda, and uh, my, my girl, Judith. And She's a boy. strong and powerful woman. Yes. Yeah, well, we've seen how powerful she is when the Greens rolled her over 12 million donations to a private school and oh, held $3 billion of infrastructure projects. So that's how strong she is. We know how strong she is that she didn't sack David Clark and he had to resign. But let's go on from that and Southland and all of these levels. And I actually forgot what I was going to say. But yeah. uh, so no, Ash, no, I know what I was saying. Ashley Bloomfield came out this week and admitted that the latest outbreak had to come from the border. And 20 minutes later, Jacinda Ardern went on the radio and basically said that wasn't true. What is the truth, Labour? Well, I don't know. But... Um... I'd be very... I wouldn't be surprised if it came from the border. I think I've already said that in a previous episode. 
I don't see how. I think it could have come in through. I think it could have come through other routes, like being secretly circulating in the community and not being diagnosed, which would actually be a worse look. I think it's inevitable that it will occasionally leak in through the border. That's the problem, and that's why, why we have to why, stay alert. Why is Jacinda Ardern so hell bent on denying this? Well, I imagine it's it's not proven. But then the Director General of Health says that pretty much it is. Oh, so, I don't know what he said. I missed that one. It's been mate, a busy you're, week. You are not, you are not up for your party this week. It's been a busy well, week. It's been you're a busy not week. Up for your party sometimes this week. you can't see, sometimes unfortunately you can't see the wood wood for the trees. And when you're focusing on in, in exciting developments in industrial relations policy, um, all the other stuff goes by the wayside and you just pick up what you see on Facebook. And even then I, you don't notice it because you're too busy reading um, really insightful and promising questions from keen followers of our Facebook page who I'm not even sure whether they listen to a, a podcast, but um, Kylie, shout out to Kylie. Kylie um, Henry, yes, absolutely. Has asked us a question to talk about this week. And what is it she asked us, Darren? So Kylie Henry asked us, how about America and the state of politics and conspiracies they're influencing New Zealand? That's right. And I read that and went, that fuck, that's an intelligent question. <laughs> Great question. And and do you like how smoothly I deflected? It's not <laughs> happening. I'm coming back to you because... Like a professional GD politician, I distracted you from, from your bone and um, turned it round to talk about something else. So, which is uh, which is very spinny labour and never answering the question. So I'm keep, good keep like in, that. Keep in, you are keeping in tune with your political party, and well done to you. Quite proud uh, of that. Quite proud of that. I've been on new labour training back home. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, how not to answer a question? Um, so, um, Kylie Henry uh, has asked us that question, and Darren, what do you think? Well, I think it's interesting. I think it links back to what you said literally like five minutes ago. When the fuck can this be over? Why can't we go back to level one? I think people are just seeing stuff around the world. And I think as well, the interesting part with this is a lot of people now are looking at the fact that we're surviving under level three and level 2.5. And they're looking back to March as, as I am and going to me, level four was a complete overkill and was absolutely unnecessary. And I think people are seeing photos, and whether it's fake news or not, of people in public circumstances taking selfies or what. And, and there's always things, right, where people will believe it and people will think it's fake news. But I just think people are over it. And I think this was always the dangerous thing for Labour trying to use COVID as an election point because I think the country has now got COVID fatigue and it's just over it. And I think the 80,000 deaths that Jacinda said was going to happen were never going to happen. And the proof of the fact they were never going to happen is that the UK, our home country, has been so incompetent, they haven't even been able to kill 80,000 people. And with their absolute incompetence, they have not... No, because they're not recording... They're not recording... Look, 80,000 deaths was always a worst-case scenario. Um, I I certainly don't accept your point about level four, actually. but, I believe that's true, but yeah. But to come on to your point, I don't think eighty thousand deaths was ever a likely scenario here if we'd gone if we'd gone with some kind of level three or level two instead of level four. But I think a much higher number of deaths, and I think eighty thousand was always being shown as being the worst case scenario if we did nothing. And I think that the mathematical modelling that the experts used explains why that was a figure that was legitimate to talk about. 
Um, but having said that, I totally understand. I don't. I actually don't wonder why. I've had enough. But I still think we've handled it so far much, so much better than the rest of the world. And I don't think, um, I think it'd be a mistake for Labour to try and claim exclusive credit for it. I think that New Zealand First and the Greens have to play and um, claim some credit for it as well, because it was the government decision. I think the Ministry of Health officials and the doctors have to take some credit. And I think the population have to take some credit as well. Um, and I think it'd be a dangerous mistake for Labour to claim sole credit. And I don't think we are. Um, but I do agree that we are now, and although I was being a bit tongue in cheek, um, about my attitude, I am over it. I also think that there is a danger of, um, fake news and the wrong stories getting out there. So I have personal experience of that. I was at a, an educational event on Tuesday night in a church in South Auckland. Um, there were 52 people in a hall. Now we were observing physical distancing there was masks but it was obviously much more than 10 people but it was an education event being run by an education institution and they are allowed more people uh, as long as you abide by other things but it got reported all over social media as a social gathering and this is the pro i guess this is the problem as well and, I, and this is to keeping with kyle's question the problem is there are now so many inconsistencies right because Level 2.5 is gatherings of 10. Um, the Unite Against COVID adverts are saying now that Auckland's back in level two. Um, you, but you can go to a university in AUT, and that's a whole other story, and you can be in a lecture theatre with 100 or 200. I think now that the rules are so difficult to understand, people have just gone, actually, just, what the hell's going on? It's just too difficult. And, like, next week, and I'm due down in Wellington a week on Friday, I could literally, by that point, be in Auckland on the Friday morning, having to observe two-metre distancing and everything like that. I could fly down to a Wellington at level one and do what the hell I like. And that's just going to make it way too complicated. And that's where I think people have just gone now. Whilst it was deemed that maybe, yes, you could isolate some parts of the country, I don't think we're big enough to do that. And I think the problem with it is, is that now the rules just don't apply and we are a transient country. I think people have just gone, actually, I don't care whether I'm in level one or level two or level three anymore. I think people are still being fairly responsible. But I think people are looking at movements like um, Advanced New Zealand, New Zealand People Party and going, actually, I've got something to latch on to. And I think me and you understand this from Brexit because it was a movement where disaffected people and dissociated people well, like, I'm over the mainstream. I'm going to go so far to one end. And, you know, I saw something the other day, and I'm not going to name the person, but I saw a, a fairly high-profile political person standing in a fairly high-profile seat. And this is not partyist. This is just literally an observation I made. And, it, and, and the party was actually national. And they were live streaming, and they had 50 or 60 people watching. And I thought, okay, that's all right. One Friday night, I was out for a walk. And, and my phone binged and it said Advanced New Zealand have gone live. And Jamie Lee Ross was online on a Friday night at about nine o'clock at night. He had nearly 500 people. And it wasn't people insulting him. And what's interesting, you know, to going back to the question is I think people are over it. And like anything, you have extremities. And I think the extremities of the people are over it are looking at advanced New Zealand and they're going, actually, there's something I can connect myself to. 
I was actually in the city last week when the Advanced New Zealand March was on, and it pretty much shut down Queen Street, Custom House Key. Um, it just shut the whole central part of the city, and I actually couldn't get around the city. I was actually in my car. Um, so there were thousands of people there. Now, a couple of thousand people are not going to give you 5% of the vote, right? But that's the people who could be bothered to turn out. Then there's all of the keyboard warriors that sit behind those guys that go, actually, I'm going to put an X in that box, but I'm not marching through Auckland. And so I think what's happened is people have seen what's going on around the world. We've seen it with Black Lives Matter. That spread through the world. It came here. We just came out of level whatever it was down to level one. We had a Black Lives Matter march going through the city. And because there's that much accessibility to what's going on, and every country has its extremity, there's a certain proportion of our population have gone, I'm over this what's going on. I don't, I'm certainly not attaching myself to Labour. I don't certainly want to attach myself to National. And there's these two high-profile guys who are getting, you know, and I'm going to give them some credit, amazing amounts of social media followers and social media attention whenever they go live and there's a proportion of the population are attaching themselves to it. And whether you agree with what they're doing or not, they are gaining a lot of attention. Do I think they're going to get 5%? No, I don't. Do I think that Billy is going to win Titi Takara? Absolutely. No chance. There's no chance he'll win. No way, because you need... No, you need um, you need a lot more votes. You need a lot of votes to win. And, um, you know, he, obviously he's made a calculated guess that he might be able to. But, you know, Hone, a few years ago, Hone had a much better chance in terms of being embedded and rooted in that community, um, having real existing political networks that have been around for years, family networks and so on, in a way that and tapping into a, a bit more of a mainstream feeling. And he still wasn't able to do it. I think what the role, they, I think it's amazing. I agree that the New Zealand Public Party, I think Jamie Lee's like kind of tapped, jumped on board, but I think it's Billy TK that is the kind of uh, ringleader in, and the driver behind the success. I mean, they've managed to successfully raise over $250,000, which he's keeping under his bed. Um, <clears throat> you know, and they're not a registered political party either. It's amazing. And it's amazing to think that New Zealand's laws didn't allow for something like this to happen where an organisation can be formed, act like a political party, present itself as one, and uh, not register, and then do loads of dodgy fundraising, and um, or not dodgy, but loads of fundraising, not accounted for properly and stuff, and not there's nothing that can be done about it because they're not registered. It's like, wow, and then you just affiliate to a registered party like Vance NZ, so that you can uh, kind of take advantage of that as well. It's a... It's a pretty impressive strategy, if that's what it is. Um, I definitely agree that both of them have tapped into a genuine sense of widespread feeling. I think that, coming back to Kylie's question, for me, this is what COVID has done has been another spark for the growing global movement of conspiracists who um, have, have been really, since, since uh, 9-11, have really been on the increase. And uh, it's been fascinating to see as well how this global conspiracy um, kind of network. So you started with a group of disaffected young men with Internet access, uh, mostly from uh, from a sort of who maybe had Islamic parents, uh, but were not religious themselves or were from a left wing kind of background or had moved from the left and kind of hate America and, and hate Israel. 
and um, there's maybe some intersection between them and some people who don't like Jewish people. And they saw two, they saw 9-11 and they saw they saw real conspiracies that the Israeli government and the American government and the British government had been involved in. And they sort of put two and two together and came up with five million. which <laughs> you know, this idea that uh, 9-11 was carried out by anyone other than the terrorists who have been blamed for it is just ludicrous, in my opinion. But they constructed this entire quite compelling narrative around that, around how it was the CIA and the Jews basically behind it so that they could use it as an excuse to declare war on Islam and steal the oil from the Middle East and bolster Israel and everything, which obviously they did actually go and do, and they did do it on very flimsy grounds. The Iraq war was, you know, was not justified, uh, in my opinion, but it doesn't mean that they were, you know, these same shadowy sinister forces were behind 9-11. doesn't mean that they weren't genuinely carried out by um, al-Qaeda or whatever, but that, that whole kind of... Um, weirdness around that and the fact that it is actually hard to see the truth around stuff like that and the mainstream politicians did genuinely lie and distort and act in a really underhand fashion has just um, been fueled to the fire and then you've seen the rise of donald trump uh the rise of the kind of anonymous people and and QAnon behind that as well and the kind of pizzagate stuff in america and the kind of way that um, these people, and, and certainly looking at it from a British perspective, these people that um, smoke too much weed, live in their mother's basements, uh, and read, spend too much time on YouTube watching videos, uh, and think that's research, they kind of they've shifted from a kind of, uh, and I think it's through the through the medium of anti-Semitism, a lot of it, they've shifted from a kind of left-wing global worldview to a very right-wing global worldview part of that's due to the anti-semitism part of it's due to um uh, hillary clinton and bill clinton and tony blair and people like that being seen as being on the left and being involved in all these other conspiracies um and then it's, it's i think it's a fascinating subject and i think that what we're seeing with the mask protest is the next natural evolution of that global conspiracy movement and i think they're very effectively tapped into a lot of things and i think that what they've found now through COVID is actually what you're talking about is that kind of soft public sympathy for the ideas. So people who wouldn't, who don't believe in all that stuff about Jews controlling the world and 9-11 and all the rest of it, which is at the heart of these beliefs, and don't believe that Hillary Clinton's involved in a satanic child abuse cult, but they do believe the governments around the world have mishandled COVID. They don't believe COVID's real, or they don't believe COVID's as bad as it is because of the way we've handled it effectively which is a bit like an anti-vaxxer mentality as well you know anti-vaxxers don't think we need vaccinations because vaccinations have been so effective at dealing with the problem they were created to solve um it's a very kind of there's all that kind of space and um it's very much an appealing area and like even how i feel today right i'm so pissed off with it all and i'm like you know a bit more sympathetic to these people than i would be normally um and i might change my mind tomorrow but i think that the Coming back to uh, Kylie's question, for me, COVID is yet another way for these global conspiracy movements to develop and attract a whole new layer of people. And they're not going to go away. That's the thing. Once you've been one to conspiratorial ideas, you're not going to move away from them easily. I think there's real parallels. And I think Donald Trump 
has really been also um, fuel for this approach. And I think New Zealand's only just wait, looking for its Donald Trump character. And I don't think there's anything special about New Zealand that stops us from developing one or a Nigel Farage or whatever, uh, or Boris Johnson character. I think there's somebody there. I think New Zealand first played a very good safety valve role um, prior to the last election with some of that by absorbing some of that kind of sentiment. Um, but I think their participation in government, especially a Labour-led government, <clears throat> with the Greens in it as well, has really harmed their chances of continuing to do that. Um, and I think that the interesting thing for me is that actually um, I would have expected the kind of Destiny Church stuff to maybe tap into that. But I was in the CBD when they had their rally um, a while ago, just after level we came out of level four, and it was pathetic. Um, it was the same kind of people. It was just like a hand. It was like a hundred or two hundred people that you'd expect to see at a Destiny Church rally. Um, and I think that Billy TK and, and Jamie Lee Ross are much more appealing to a kind of a wider segment of the population. Um, there's definitely a crossover, and I wouldn't be surprised if Advance and New Zealand get the best vote out of all of those. Um, out of them. Uh, Brian Tamaki's party and New Conservatives even. I wouldn't be surprised if even leapfrog New Conservatives. There was a trillion times I wanted to interject then because there was I know, I can see your face. Saying, I can see your face. There, was, I... there were things you were saying. I'm like, fuck, I just want to get into this conversation because... Couldn't, I couldn't shut up. I know. Carry on. Sorry. No, but it was good, you know. But what I was saying is that... Um, when you talk about all of these conspiracy theorists, things that have that have like sparked conspiracy theorists, they've always been massive events. 9-11, COVID, you know, the, the, the Middle Eastern war and stuff like that. And, and they've been massive events that have done that. And I think it's a, an inherent distrust around the world in politicians. And they see photos and we've, we've kind of joked about it, but not joked about it. The photo today with Jacinda gives every person whether it turns out to be fake news or not some charity is going to be twenty dollars better off but the serious side to that the two thousand people marching on the weekend or three thousand or four thousand see that and go you see it's one rule for one and one rule for another she knows it's not a serious thing because she wouldn't be doing that if she genuinely thought she was going to take COVID home to her family and all of that sort of stuff it just breathes a huge amount of oxygen into these people and, and I think people see that and they just go, do you know what? That, that's, those guys are the guys that I want to be on, online with because – and the other interesting thing about conspiracy theorists is you make a conspiracy theorist's claim or what people perceive to be a conspiracy theory because who, who actually judges whether someone's a conspiracy theory or not? Because at some point, one of them, you, did not even go there. Like, you know, but, but seriously, who decides what's a conspiracy theory or not? Is it? the majority or is there some rule of conspiracy theory because a lot of people have had a go at billy tk and some of it probably rightly about 5g causes covid but actually if you read deep into it he actually predicted that there would be a second shutdown in august and he was actually correct don't you well now, no, what was don't start going down the rabbit hole darren i'm going to stay no, in intervention no you know but Someone you says Judith. You stick with Judith, mate. You say something that is deemed to have come true. All of a sudden, you're not a conspiracy theorist. People start to latch onto you in a different way. Like I say, tomorrow something's going to happen, and people go, "He's insane." Like what? But something like that happens, 
or someone connects something to it that happens, all of a sudden you're not deemed as like insane anymore. It's kind of like that was an insane theory and it's more insane that it kind of almost Oh, no, you're right. You know, you can say any old shit and if a few predictions come true, yeah, people, you'll get more supporters. Just, just I know I know, I had a lot more to say than you and you probably got more to say, but just one point to respond to, which I totally agree on, is around um, mainstream politicians are to blame for this, right? And the media. The mainstream media are to blame for this because for so long, on the one hand, politicians have, we were joking about it a minute ago, but politicians, it's really hard, mainstream politicians, to get a straight answer out of them. And as soon as you get a politician who gets gives straight answers, they're, they're destroyed, whether, you know, whether it's um, or, or, mo- or made a mockery of or they're just not taken seriously by other mainstream politicians, whether it's Jeremy Corbyn or David Seymour, right? People take the piss out of them it's, and don't treat them, treat them seriously. And people don't, the voters, the general public, don't like that. They actually want to hear a politician who speaks um, from the heart, whether they agree with them or not. You only have to look at when he first became leader of Labour in the UK, Jeremy Corbyn's popularity ratings among voters from all sorts of parts of the political spectrum were really good because he was seen as being honest. And it was, in fact, perceived dishonesty later on, some of which I think was probably was dishonesty, was then used against him. And that's what one of the things that really damaged him. And I think people are just crying out for people who seem to be saying the truth. And unfortunately, the people who come across as telling the truth at the moment to certain sections of the population are Donald Trump and Billy TK. And you know, and who? And Boris Johnson. Well, I don't know. He's, he's the exception that proves the rule, actually. Of somebody that everyone knows he's a fucking liar. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how many people love him anymore. But look, your point was actually interesting there, where you talked about the public want the truth, right? And this is going to be really interesting because there are certain sentiments, sections of the media that are being criticised for not asking the hard question of Jacinda Ardern, Tara O'Brien, Jessica Much Mackay. Then there's a couple of people that, which is interesting that they're both female and I'm not going to try and make a connection here, but I almost have. Then two male, and I'm, this wasn't actually as, uh, uh, this actually wasn't a gender-based comment at first, but it's interesting. Uh, that's not to turn it into one, because I don't know. No, but it's interesting now I'm thinking about it, and I'm trying not to be conspiracy theorists, but two guys, I'm trying to think of their name. One guy was Jason Wells, I think, from New Zealand Herald, and there was another guy who pushed and pushed and pushed Ardern for answers on stuff around the lockdown and the border, and they were vilified on social media for being disrespectful. And I'm like, well, hang on, you can't, like not you criticize the not wanting to know the truth but when someone wants to prove the truth they can get criticized as well it's kind of like this i said i said a comment to someone yesterday i actually think this is the most diverse election in probably new zealand history i think the people who really dislike jacinda ardern really dislike jacinda ardern i think the people who really dislike judith collins really dislike judith collins I think back to like Key and Clark and people like that. And I go, I've never had this feeling of dislike on either side of the spectrum as much as we've got going into this election. It is almost... That's what leads to Brexit. That's what leads to Trump. And and it's what leads to Billy TK and Jamie, right? And I'm not being critical of those guys, but it's that absolute dislike of our doing. The people that are going, it's spin. She's not answering questions. She's not telling the truth. She's being a control freak. And then you've got people going to Judith. A leopard never changed its spots. 
It's all about the rich. It's all about this. And you've got those people going, actually, there's two guys over here. I'm going to go and tack myself to them because they seem to be against that and against that. And Yeah, well, you brought me on very nicely to the second part of my thesis. Uh, if I can call it such a by such a grand term, one is mainstream. Grandiose term. <laughs> who's to blame for the for where we are now with these conspiracy people? Right. One is mainstream politicians appearing to be dishonest, quite often because they are being dishonest from all sides of the spectrum. Uh, I think things have improved, and I don't think New Zealand's been as bad as other countries. But there's a there's a real danger that the tipping point could be reached at some point. Um, and the second thing is mainstream journalists either helping to um, kind of muddy the waters around the dishonesty and not picking up on it enough, but not being, but being seen to be too soft. And on the other hand, throwing too much mud and making things look too bad and creating this narrative, reinforcing a narrative that is maybe even more than it needs to be, depending on what publication you're reading or what you're watching, that, that politicians are more dishonest than they actually are. It's kind of a real... And then journalists themselves being, you know, media, mainstream media outlets and making, just making themselves look bad as well, whether it's by being too soft or too harsh. So I think that both things that you say are true. And I think that for me, that's, it's a danger zone. And I haven't got any answers. I've only got problems. <laughs> I haven't got any solutions, right? I'm not an expert. I'm just some fucking idiot of a podcast. But what I do see is an increase in conspiratorial thinking and an increase in people moving to political extremes uh, and, and I think it's a, it's not even about right wing or left wing. It's about particularly the destructive kind of political extreme that is different to either of them. And um, I think there's real dangers there. And I think that whoever wins this election, that movement is going to continue growing. And I certainly think from a Labour Party point of view, if we win the election and we win it well, we should not, we cannot rest easy. Um, assuming that that movement is not continuing to grow and is not continuing to attract support. And in fact, it's quite likely to continue to grow faster, possibly, than if, say, a National Act Coalition got in, where I think some of those people might feel initially, especially with Act in there, that some of their issues are being answered. I think what's interesting is when you look at this term of government, it's been quite unique, right? Um, guns, gun, gun reform, um, consp- you know, talking, well, actually not talking, compulsory mask wearing, these are all what people consider to be uh, removal of freedom and, re- re- and um, infringing on people's lives. And then again, we don't know how true it is, the story that broke that the COVID app was going to be used for tracking people with vaccinations and not vaccinations. Oh, we again, know that's not true. Again, again but, but you're missing the point. We know. It's out there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's out yeah. there. No, I'm not and, Okay. A lot of people like me, a lot of people like me still don't trust the COVID app. I, don't, I still don't trust it. I think I, I inherently don't trust the government um, for whatever reason. And it's not just political. I do think that some very unusual decisions have been made in, in, over the last six or seven months. But it's those things where it's go, but it's again, what is fake news? What's conspiracy? What's truth? I think now, because social media is so powerful, because the press are, are, are so untrusted, and because politicians are interested, me or you could go and post something tonight really outrageous, and it could probably end up somewhere as a truth. But if you think about the last yeah. year year or two, potential that the COVID app could be being used for this, compulsory immunizations being touted by both parties, so that's not a Labour or a national thing, um, 
the fact about masks, the fact about gun removal, these people are just going, right, it's, it's almost like a Brexit overthrow type of thing that's going on. Masks are not compulsory anywhere. By law. Uh, public transport. That's well, not, not by, by law. law. You can't be put sent to prison or, or fined for it. You can just be asked to get off public transport. If you are in, yeah, but the, the thing is you almost create a law, like on the ferry in Auckland last week where a guy said, it's my right not to wear a mask. And then everybody on the ferry turned on him and treated it like it was a law and it became almost almost vigilante-esque. Now, yeah, the guys are so dick, right? Peer pressure. Peer pressure it is, but the, what people have heard is we are, and I don't know the right wording, but there's an expectation you will be wearing masks on public transport. So the first time someone steps out of that, it creates almost a culture of, you need to be doing that. We've been told to do that. It's not your right not to wear a mask. And it kind of creates that kind of thing, right? And that guy is probably marching down the street somewhere. Yeah, I mean, if I'd been there, that's an interesting question, isn't it? If you'd been there, how would you have behaved? Personally, I would have um, just kept my head down. I yeah, look, I mean, I... Defended his right not to wear a mask, but I also would not have joined in with mob kind of mob rule. No, I'd be on the same, I'd be on the same level. But one of the uh, one of the interesting question about that is how seriously, and I've noticed this as well about the real the other side of COVID, and this is getting away from Kylie's question um, a little bit, but it, inter it interacts with it. I think is COVID, and it's not you come and not be blamed on our government. This is a global thing, right? Because of the fear around it, the legitimate fear for a lot of people, and I talk to people like this every day, right? I talk to people every day, and I'm sure you do as well, who are totally, in my opinion. Uh, over scared of the danger to themselves and are really paranoid, super paranoid about it. And then you talk to people on the other side who are too blase. And those two sides are getting really quite antagonistic towards each other. And there's um, some real tensions coming from that. And I don't think that I don't think that can be blamed on any government. I don't think it can be blamed on any, you know, the media. I think it's a it's kind of a global thing that's happening. And I think it's kind of almost human nature. Um, and I think they're two significant strands of the population, the people that are really, oh, I don't want to call them paranoid, but really nervous about COVID and the ones that are too blase. But, I mean, and, and, I, and I'm trying not to politicise this, but I probably am in, indirectly. When you're told 80,000 people could die, when you're locked inside your own house and barely can go out for exercise, when all of those things are told you, of course, I, I actually now have reflected on this myself. And, and I was really fearful in the first lockdown because all we were hearing was deaths everywhere and pictures on the TV of like acres of graves being dug in Brazil and stuff like that. And I think why we're at where we're at now with this level and all this confusion and why are people not, people have now looked and gone, actually, it was nothing like that. But actually, there is a sentiment of people that are going, I still believe I'm going to die if I leave the house. Because they've had a fear instilled in them that yeah. they can't, they can't nah, get away. Yeah, nah. The people I'm talking to is because they're reading, they're reading the global news and they're making their own conclusions from the figures. And it could be uh, another form of conspiratorial thinking, but it's not because of the actions of this government. And that's not. To def I'm, t I'm separating that from a defence of the actions of this government, although I support them. Um, and I always said that it would have, it would have some of that impact on people. Like it would. Like, there's no question. I think the level four lockdown was the right thing to do. I don't think we'd be having this discussion if we if we hadn't done that. I think we'd now be having a discussion about them being too lax because I think the problem would be a lot worse. 
Um, and I think the only reason we can manage the current outbreak under the current levels is because we did so well to reduce it down in the first time. Um, but I think that's just a difference of opinion between us. And I don't think either of us can prove what we're saying. So, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I think that um, I was always open minded about the very fact. And I think it's very clear this pandemic has a massive impact on people's mental health. That was where I was going to go next is you've got to remember probably around 20 plus percent of a population suffer from mental health issues of one or another and lockdowns of any nature in any country are going to massively impact that. Well, and it's going to give more people who don't have, well, it's not just lockdown though. It's, there's one thing is the lockdown is, is one set of impacts, certainly on existing mental health issues and probably does create a few more for a few more people. The bigger thing is that we are living through the biggest global catastrophe since the Second World War. And it's combined with a whole load of, all we're seeing, when you go on Facebook, you're just seeing relentless negative, if you follow anything political, you know, um, the West Coast of the orange, San Francisco, orange. Um, we're literally, it looks like the ice caps melting, massive chunks breaking off Antarctica. Is it any wonder that a whole, and this is to bring it back to Kylie's question as well, I think there's an element of conspiratorial thinking that is about comfort and control. And it's about, we feel like the world is getting worse, right? Because it is, actually, um, to be honest. But we feel like that. And I think everything you see on Facebook and elsewhere is re really reinforces that in an unhelpful way, enough to make you want to give up. And um, I think that combined with the pandemic and the fact that, you know, I see, I'm sick of seeing people say, and I'm going to do some, I've, I've written some jokes about this. It's how sick I am of it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till 2020 is over. Why the I don't want 2020 to be over. This is the last of the fucking good years for a long time. It's going to be worse <laughs> next year. It's going to be worse the year after that, right? Millions more people are going to die of the pandemic globally because you've got countries that have just got no way of handling it anyway. It's not about US and Britain. It's about other places. Um, and the bushfires, are gonna, the bushfires are going to continue, right? Uh, and they're going to get worse. Uh, it's a simple fact of the way we're in, and you can, you know, blame it on whatever you like or, or not. Um, I don't care. The fact is, it's not about saying what are the causes of these things or what are the solutions. It's about saying the fact is they are going to get worse um, for a long time yet, and we're going to see a lot more death and destruction. So all of that is a long way of saying this is a comedy podcast. Um, the world is about to end. We're all going to fucking die. In three years' time, this podcast will be us two shouting it from a cave, the mouth of a cave. Throwing sticks and bricks at each other. Throwing yeah. sticks and bricks at each other. But the, an army of zombies try to break into the compound because everything's fucked and we're all going to die. <laughs> so, but what comedy news. Comedy news, Darren. Can comedy I say news. one more thing? One no. more thing before we go. No, it's... Absolutely important, right? Because this is one thing that yeah, has sorry. been talked about. What? I mean, you've only had 49 minutes of the 52, so why, <laughs> no. why, why give me sorry, another man, minute? Man. Sorry, man. Right. I was going to be the quiet one. one this week. I tell you what, this, the easiest thing for you to do is just edit me out. You know, it's just the easiest thing to do. But I do do no, that sometimes. Like, I cut you out and not me. I just yeah, I know I do listen to check that, you know. And I'm like, the bastard's done it again. He's taken the best points I made all night and cut it I out. <laughs> this is why I'm gonna learn how to edit this shit and stop you from having so much control. Here you are again with your command and control. Um, but look anyway, um, what's your point? One thing one comment that is being made a lot, especially about the Liberty March, these people should be thrown in jail. Well, hang on. 
if you're not going to throw the Black Lives Matters marches in jail and you're not going to throw the Destiny Church guys in jail, unfortunately, there's kind of a precedent that's been set. It's a really difficult place for the police. It's a really difficult place for the politicians because you start throwing protesters in jail, then you really are going out of a democratic state. So I, we haven't got time for this discussion tonight because people, because obviously we've seen how no, the hang police... Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. We don't need it because I agree with you. No, no, but I'm just saying in America, <laughs> though, the police brutality for marches has been very different. Oh, so yeah, well. the thing about, you know, the American influence on New Zealand, I mean, we've even seen police brutality in Melbourne like dragging pregnant women out of their flat. I mean, they did threaten to go on a march, but that's no justification for grabbing a pregnant woman and like no, kind of right. arresting her. And, and then a woman that refused to give her name, yeah, being pulled over again, dragged out the car physically and stuff but like that. Uh, isn't that an Australian's way of um, trying to attract a woman's attention? Almost caveman-esque. We're back to caves again, aren't we? You know, so... Um, uh, but no, but seriously, that's the one part of the American psyche in all of this protest, in all of this march, in all this conspiracy, police brutality. And I know someone's going to say yes, but in these areas of South Auckland or whatever. But on the whole, protesters haven't been dragged away from the streets and beaten with sticks and stuff like they have in other countries. And God help us if they do, because that level of divert you know um i can't think the word i've got to say so you leave it in to make me sound stupid but that that level of kind of real nasty angst hasn't happened yet but i think the minute the police do try and step in that is when it will start i think we're at a stage in new zealand now where that is a conscious decision and i think it'll be the same under either main party not to engage in police brutality as a political weapon it happens but i think that's like accidental local and character based it's not a deliberate tactic and i think that the way that the victoria state police and the u.s police act is a deliberate political tactic, and the metropolitan police in london for that matter it's a deliberate political tactic to smash their opponents and i don't think that's the way stage we're at in new zealand at the moment doesn't mean it couldn't change and again i think it'd be under either government um, and hopefully it won't. But no, I totally agree. I don't think those protesters should be banged up. I think they're fucking idiots, but um, I don't want to bang them up. Try and ignore them and stay away from them and not catch anything off them. Uh, what's happening in the comedy scene in Auckland? Well, comedy scene around the rest of the country is good. Um, there's obviously level two restrictions, but hopefully on Monday, the rest of the country, because we've got to kind of take that we've probably got some listeners elsewhere. God, I hope we have. Those will hopefully, yes, please tell us where you are. Those will hopefully go back to non-restrictive comedy from um, uh, Thursday next week. In Auckland at the moment, still a few venues, unfortunately, unable to open. But what we do have is the Wapiti Sports Bar on a Monday night, hosted by Jamie Patterson. You might be on there next Monday. So, yes, hey, everybody. My name down. Oh, my God. Rush um, out. He's desperate Rush for out. Desperate for good oh. talent. So... Surely I'm going to be paid. If, if you do not have enough of Matthew already, then just rush out. Um, also on Monday night, there's Raw Comedy Quest still ongoing for the next three weeks before the semi-finals are announced. So, yeah, get on there. Um, and then throughout the week, um, obviously, Tobacco on Tuesdays and I think Wednesdays were Flost and Paradise on Thursdays, um, Zach's Bar on a Saturday, and I don't know if I've missed anything out, but I think that's pretty much most of them. And they're uh, all guaranteed good nights out. They are indeed. 
And unfortunately, at the moment, Garnet Station and Zach and um, sorry, um, Ding Dong, unfortunately, are not going still, but uh, hopefully not long before they are. But yeah, please get out and support some live comedy or support some live entertainment of whatever's on because it has been a really bad year for performers this year, as it has for many people. But um, those guys in hospitality and entertainment have really done it hard. That's right. Thank yep. You. Do you know what? I had a bad Finish on a light note. I was going to finish on a light note. Go on, finish on a funny light story note. to finish this on, because I've forgotten my funny story. Yeah, we noticed your complete lack of preparation. I'm going to go away and cry and beat on the walls after we finish doing that. <laughs> Just because you couldn't remember your funny joke and stuff like that. No, I'm not that shallow. I actually don't know if I have got a funny story to finish on, to be honest uh, with right, you. But, bye uh, then, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you later.